Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Two Asian Vaginas. This is Rachel Lee from San Francisco. And Nina Yu in New York. Welcome to episode four. Somehow we've already made it to episode four. And today's episode is going to be about the relationship with yourself. If you remember all the way back to episode two, I believe it was, we really talked about relationships as a whole and really got specific about relationships that we have with others. And towards the end of it, Nina and I realized that one thing that kind of is the foundation of all of that is the relationship that you have with yourself. I think it was you, Nina, that actually pointed out something I thought was pretty wise, which is normal for you, no. um, that the relationship you have with yourself is truly the longest one that you that you'll ever have. And that's true for each of us. And so we really want to get into the nitty gritty about that relationship with yourself, how you take care of yourself, where you derive that from, all of that good stuff. You ready? I hope so. <laughs> so bringing back something that we had started, introduced first in episode three, or I think in episode two, and then kind of um, took a break on because we were explaining our podcast name in more depth is the question time. And so today I really wanted to tie in the question to the overall theme of the episode. So my question, and because I'm asking the question, you have to answer first, which is how I like it. <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> unfair. When, next time you can, you can ask the, ask the question. Um, when you need to take a step back and regroup, what are one to two things, maybe three, um, that you find always works to kind of take care of yourself and reset back to the right place? Okay. Um, about maybe for taking a step back and regrouping and just f feeling like, you know, I really, I feel that I'm back to myself. It takes for me some time to actually exercise. Um, and I know that a lot of people will often use exercise as a form to regroup group but in a way where they're like thinking through their thoughts and they're processing and all of this digestion is occurring but for me I use it because I literally think about absolutely nothing and it's so refreshing for me because sometimes I'm on hyperdrive when I'm in a stress situation um, or I just have a tendency to overthink so physical exercise is definitely one way and by physical exercise I don't mean like taking a walk I mean sweating massively and it doesn't matter how but just feeling like I have completely exhausted myself I feel like I have to exhaust all of my thoughts if that makes sense and somehow mm -hmm. it makes sense as I'm like running or boxing or or something um, so that's definitely one way and another way that I regroup isolation <laughs> I just need please do not like talk to me or touch me or be around me and it's not because I don't like you it's almost for your sake and so that definitely applies to just a daily thing that I do where I really make an effort to make time to just be still and again either think about nothing or or be so focused on one thing that that just consumes all of my thoughts and I'm not thinking about work I'm not thinking about action items of the day oh my gosh this is what happens when you work. <laughs> you think of these different terms. Um, but more along the lines of just, especially as a Christian, reading my Bible and uh, praying, those are very important where I'm very focused on like one thing and one thing alone or one person and one person alone, I should say. 
Going back to the exercise piece, yeah. when you say you kind of sort of block out your mind and your thoughts, do you find that you're thinking then about the pain that your body is going through <laughs> instead? Is that because it's like just a single-minded thought pattern? Maybe at one point it can become pain. Um, but like as I'm, for instance, like if I'm running, all I'm thinking about or all I'm I'm just not thinking about anything. I can't explain it. I Sometimes I'm not mm. even thinking about, you know, the act of running. It's just because my body is already engaged in a different activity. For some reason, it pulls the rest of my being into that. And and it's a bit mindless, I guess you can say, because it's kind of like it's this very exerted effort of breathing where breathing is very natural to us and we're not conscious of it unless we're forced to be. But that's kind of what running feels like. And then if I'm like boxing or something, instead of thinking about it in, in the parameters of pain, it's more like endurance. So mm -hmm. what I'm thinking is how much more can I exert of my energy or when I feel that I have just so much to give, it's just a method of output. Does that even answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a foreign concept to me because <laughs> I just, exercise is not a place I go in order to regroup myself. In fact, <laughs> It's one of the things I have to mentally prepare myself quite a bit in order to persuade the body to move in an active fashion. <laughs> but um, it's cool. I mean, I know that it's for sure a method that a lot of people use to get their exercise and to get their mind off of things. And it's healthy, too. So I've always wanted to be one of those people. I just in 27 years not have have not had a way to figure figure myself out into that in that region. <laughs> You've tried some interesting things though. I will say that like bar. Yeah, that was more of like a I'm getting married, I need to physically tone my body in some sense <laughs> kind of a last ditch effort. I think you could say <laughs> it worked. I think it worked. I mean, Rachel, Rachel, again, I have I mentioned this in the past. Yes, I have in beauty. You guys should listen to that one. I mentioned how you are very skinny and it is crazy, crazy. Well, if there's one thing I can say about turning a year older is that your metabolism definitely gets older with you and does <laughs> not work quite as quickly as it once did. <laughs> that just means that you're now modulating into like more normal. You were supernatural before. Okay, anyway, sorry. That was my answer to your exercise question. What are yours, Rachel? Um, for me, the first thing is I am a very, what is the word? I'm very sensitive to scents, S-C-E-N-T-S. -E I very much like pleasant scents and aromas and um, smells that smell foul uh, will really get me in a bad mood, hence BART or the Muni system here in SF. Yeah, you're living um, in the not my favorite city. place in the world. <laughs> but I really love candles. And so I love to kind of calm myself down and get into my happy place when I can have a candle burning. So I have a ton of candles here at home. I usually have a candle in every single room in my house. Oh so my goodness. Um, that's something that I do. That is insane. And <laughs> Yeah, it just works really well for me when I want to get in a happier mood or in a better mood um, and really kind of calms me down. So that's my first one. And then my second one really quickly is I just love to cook. That's something that I've started doing more recently, um, especially after work. I find that it kind of mm. similar to running, I guess. 
where you're exercising and burning fat, I'm just more preparing the fat to be consumed. <laughs> I find that just like chopping stuff and cooking really helps to get my mind off of work mm. and all the things that I was doing before and um, really centers me. Wait, okay, I have a question about candles. I've tried to light a candle and it takes forever to start smelling like the scent. <laughs> Explain this to me. Can you? Well, I think it depends on the candle. Soy candles, which I've recently learned is much better for you. Um, something about what it emits into the air that you breathe. So soy candles I find are more potent. And so mm. you can smell it a lot more. Whereas really cheap candles, you might not smell. You, It might take a while for the smell to actually come into fruition. Um, I've also burned candles that don't smell like anything at all and felt totally scammed. But yeah, soy candles are the way to go. And they don't have to be super expensive. I know there's really expensive candles out there, but they don't have to be pricey. World Market, Cost Plus, one of my favorite places in the also world. Also expensive. Mm, not always. You can find some good deals. Interesting. They have some really great candles. Um, of course, so does Anthropology. If what you want your you house mean? to smell like an Anthropology, you can just buy the Volcano candle. Oh my gosh, we actually uh, we have that one at work, and I literally will comment. I just say like, oh, it's my gosh, it smells like Anthropology, and then sometimes we'll have music playing that's very Anthropology like, and you know, lo and behold, I you know used to work at Anthropology, so I she's did. an expert. Love it. Totally love the discount, which is why I kind of don't buy clothes from there anymore because I know how much more affordable it can be. Okay, so for me, who does not use candles but would be interested to try this route, or for anybody, what's a good first go-to? Like, what is one that will help us fall in love with what you have fallen in love with? Well, I think it depends on what kind of scents you normally like. Some people really like the sweet and like the cookie crumble or um, vanilla kind of sweet scents. Mm -hmm. um, I personally do not like those at all. <laughs> I really like not too sweet, more floral scents I really like. So I have one in my living room right now that's more like freesia and actually freesia and grapefruit, I think. Ooh. So I have one like that. I have one that is in my bedroom. I have one that's more, oh shoot, which one is it? I think that's an orange scent. So I think I like the citrusy kind of mm. very crisp smells. Um, and and then also seasonally. So in the fall, I really wow. like leaves candles. That's the one that I still will get no matter whether it's a soy candle or not. Mm -hmm. um, leaves from Bath and Body Works is one of my favorite candles of all time. So I really like that one as well. I know what to expect in the mail soon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. leaves from Bath and Body Works and then citrus ones are good go-tos. Mm-hmm. And soy, 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 soy. Soy, soy all the way. So yeah, that was our question time. I want to tie that actually in with the larger topic of the relationship that we have with ourselves and really kind of where it is that we derive that sense of self. Also the kind of self that you are when you're with all kinds of different people in your life because I think it's mm -hmm. um, pretty true that you know, there's many facets to who we are. Mm -hmm. We are 3D people. Um, we are people at work. We're people in our friend groups. We're people, you know, different people maybe when we're with our family and friends that we grew up with. So um, I just want to get into all of that and like w who is the sense of self that you derive and um, do you feel like you kind of change and transform or do you try to stick more to one sort of continuous 
um, person throughout all that. So I just threw all my questions at you. Maybe we can kind of take them one, one by one. But just to start, you know, when do you feel most like yourself, would you say? You know, what's funny. I just thought that as a child or as an adolescent or as somebody who's kind of experiencing puberty as they know it, they are often conflicted with like identity and trying to explore that into even like as far as college. But I think that as I trace back to even just when I was younger, I always knew like who I was deep, deep, deep inside. And it was a matter of wanting and willing to acknowledge who I was. And so it's not as if like there are more times when I did not feel like myself than when I did, like because I knew who I was. Hmm. And so an example of like college is actually really great because it's fairly recent, not really. (laughs) But um, I remember like in my freshman year of college, specifically like in my first semester, I was like an incredible, crazy partier as somebody who like you would never expect me to be seeing me now. Um, And I would go out and it would be fun. But when we were out, and and just kind of like doing all the things that a college student does partying i remember vividly these moments when we would be out and i would just think wait a second this isn't me though i didn't fully know what that meant and what i fully didn't realize you know exactly who i am and i think that that just even becomes more fleshed out the older we become i just remember these moments when i was like this is not me and so I know that I've probably answered the inverse of your question, but it's it's because like what I trace more in my life are these markers and these moments when it's not that I've found the right answer, it's that I'm finding the wrong answers to lead me to the right one. Does that mm, make sense? I see. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that actually goes into uh, another question that might be get to more of what you're talking about, which is where do you feel like that sense of self that you really were in tune with, even at a very young age, it sounds like if you could kind of reflect back, and we're going to get really deep for a second here. Where do you feel like that sense of self ultimately gets derived from from when you were younger? Um, Maybe there are specific memories that you have that you thought were really formative. Mm -hmm. um, Or if it was just kind of from your parents, your family, the people that were around you all the way, you know, that makes you the person person that you are now or maybe the way that you've evolved and changed over all these years has really been you know has really taken you in a different direction yeah gosh it's okay first of all this is not an interview this is a conversation so (laughs) Rachel you are gonna get these questions too don't you worry (laughs) in terms of like the finding the root and like the crux of it it's it's weird to answer because it posits like it's this question that comes from a place of as if we're finding out like as if we have to know who we are and then live the rest of our lives manifesting this epiphany of you know like oh if for instance like we are a characteristic like I am happy therefore I'm gonna live the rest of my life happy but what I find that is the opposite and so I think this kind of gets back to the earlier question which is like I feel that my true self is continuously manifesting as opposed to the opposite way around wow that must have sounded so confusing um 
I remember a friend of mine said, and the way that he worded it was so. It he basically said that like life is a constant discovery of yourself, and I think that that's very true. So to answer your question about like. Where does my sense of self derive from? Though part of me wants to be super culturally, scientifically relevant and say, "Oh, it's a mix of nature and nurture," or you know, it's a mix of my parents and my experiences and my upbringing and genetically who I am, ethnically who I am. But I feel that I've been privileged to live such a a, a mixed life that I can't pinpoint it to one specific thing. Can you? Um, this is when you turn the question back on me. Oh yes. <laughs>、um, I feel like it's interesting because it is a very broad question, and it's interesting to see the way that you interpret it and、hmm. take it in. For me, I think. I mean, yeah, and different in the sense that I think I would want to break it down a little bit more and try to define, like, okay, like what is myself when I think about it, and I think one big way to break it down is. My values, and so I think I derive my sense of self. I think a lot of people derive it from their values and ultimately what they value and what they treasure.、Mm. And I think that that was largely informed by the family that I grew up in, the community that I grew up in. So、uh, as a young person, I think it was really instilled in me at a very young age that. Family、um, was very, very important, and、um, as we've disclosed on earlier episodes of this podcast, I grew up as a Korean American girl, and、um, as if our name and- doesn't point towards that. <laughs> yep,、um, but in Korean culture, family and honor and face are all really important, and so yeah, that that obviously opens up to a larger conversation. But I think、um, being You know, honoring your family, honoring your parents, honoring the family that you come from, I think was very, very important, and is still a really important value today.、Um, though I think I have matured in the way that I personally view what face looks like, and、um, you know, making something look a certain way, even though maybe underneath it doesn't,、um, and what it costs to keep up that face,、um, and my decision to maybe not continue down that path. I know it's very vague the way that I'm talking yes, about it, but absolutely. <laughs>、um, as if yours wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you、um, asked the big anyway, question. <laughs> I think that really does. That's a big one. That's one of the first things that I thought of as a young person, and also tying it back into our podcast and、um, what it is that it means to be a female. And an Asian female at that,、um, and in terms of self now, of course,、um, a big part of my identity is also my、um, gender, and that I am a woman. And it's really interesting because lately, I think that that part of my identity is really challenged in a lot of ways and is change ever changing. A really common example is, you know, growing up seeing examples of women in my life. Who were supposed to be a certain way, or were really supposed to serve all of the other people in the family? How do I reconcile that with having a career path of my own, or、um, having things that I want to pursue on my own? Things like that. I think it was really interesting to、um, have my mom over. A few weekends ago, and、um, really think about the things that she would say to me almost in passing,、um, just like, "Hey, like, 
who cooks when you come home or um, if someone is sick, if my husband is sick, like, oh, like you went out and met met up with a friend when your husband was homesick, like you should have just made him dinner and stayed by his side. And not to say that I wouldn't do that for Calvin if he was like seriously ill, but I don't think Calvin would want that from me or expect that from me. But that was one singular moment where I was like, wow, the way that my mom and I view this situation, the specific scenario is very, very different. Mm -hmm. And that is a sense of self that I grew up with and had as an example all my life. Um, when I was growing up in their house. But now that I have my own family, that I have my own career and I'm changing as a person and growing and evolving, that's kind of the part of myself that is ever changing. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, like, would it be possible to say that your views would have been aligned more along with your mom's if, if Calvin had supported that kind of ideology? You know what I mean? Sure, there are these other factors in your life, namely that I can think of off the top of my head is career. But if Calvin were a husband who had wanted kind of the things or expected the things that your mom had done for your dad, do you think you would have become mm. more like her? Um, I think by the time that Calvin and I were very seriously dating and um, thinking about marriage, I think at that age, I had already kind of made a decision about what kind of dynamic I wanted in a um, lifelong partner. Hmm. And and I think I knew at that point that I did not want someone, I didn't want to have the same exact dynamic that my parents had. To me, at that point, I had already decided that I didn't want to be a woman that was only serving. And not to say that my mom is like that or other women are like that, but uh, to me, that seems like an outdated and kind of um, more traditional partnership and I know I knew when by the time that Calvin and I got engaged um, that the partnership that I wanted was more more equal and where we could each have you know more of a freedom to ourselves and so I mean the situation that I specifically cited is one small one Um, but yeah I mean I think it would be different too if Calvin had asked like hey I'm actually really ill like I'd love if you could stay or if you could reschedule, but he's not the type of person to do that. And it also wasn't the situation where it required me to do that. Um, But we very much give each other kind of the openness and the space that we need in that way. And I think that actually contributes to the health of our marriage and our partnership. So it sounds like your origin of who you are is not only based upon values, but like just how strongly you find yourself loyal to those and the choices you make in light of your values, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I'll be very honest. I think um, identifying my values and choosing to stick very closely to them is um, something that's rather new for me. It's not something that I always did for a long time. And um, I'll explain that a little bit more. I mean, this is something that I wanted to understand from you as well. Some people are the type where from a very early on, they understand their values, they stick to them, that's how they make their decisions, that's who they are. And that's what really serves them as their compass, if you will. For me, I think for a long time, I grappled with 
Yes, these are my values, but I also highly value the ability to be flexible and to be adaptable in all kinds of situations. So you can put me anywhere and I can just kind of flow like water and I will adapt to the situation that I'm in and kind of not stick out too much. And I think it hit me after a while that if I continue to do that, I would have no Um, compass and I would actually it would make me feel very stressed and confused um, because I didn't really understand who it is that I was and I felt like I would just look around me to kind of figure out like how to take shape yeah 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 Um, and so I think it's it's recently been more of a proactive effort um, recently being the last few years to really understand, you know, what those values are and what are the things that I really want to stick on to and um, keep as my moral compass or as my overall compass and what are the things that I can be flexible on. Interesting. If- what is it like for you? Because I would venture to guess it's a little bit different. Wait. I want to ask why, and I'm just going to keep it in the back of my mind to remember. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, Rachel, honestly, a little bit of uh, generality here and there. And it's, it would be so, I think, helpful. And I'm just very curious to know um, an example of what you just talked about. One example, without getting too specific, is um, really the kind of people that you have around you that specifically that I had around me getting older and making this decision to hold on to my values. Um, you just realize that there are some people in your life that are there because maybe you've been friends for a long time or you grew up together or they were in your life for a particular reason at a particular point in time and they, Mm. you ended up just staying friends. But, um, the way that you grew up or the way that your lives have taken you, it doesn't actually tie in with your values. It doesn't make you, me a better person. It doesn't support the values that I have. Mm-hmm. In fact, it might go against that. And so I uh, had to make a decision a few years ago to actually, I guess, quote unquote, break up with a friend or to end a friendship, which sounds really dramatic, but it was a decision that I made because I realized that we were both kind of just in the friendship for face and just to kind of because that's the way that it has always been. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, I realized that it was actually taking away from my ability to be a good friend. Um, and I also didn't feel like I was contributing much to her either. And so we are no longer friends. Um, wow. And that feels weird to say. And I don't know if it's something that other people have gone through. I've read in many a thought catalog article or listicle that that's one of the things that you do as you get older and after I read that I was like oh I feel a lot better about this but I think it is something that uh, we 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 may have to do at some point in our lives when you have to reassess the friendships in in your life and wonder you know does it that does this tie in with my values or does this not and I'm not speaking about just you know we have different views on things that's not a reason I think to um, end a friendship Um, it, it really is a deeper Thing where it's not just we disagree, but the way we live our lives, the things that we prioritize in our lives are all different. And at that point, I think it was a lot of that kind of compiling and piling up um, on top of each other, mm-hmm. where I realized that a decision had to be made. And the bachelor, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> from what you're saying though and the way that i'm hearing it it sounds as if it was mutual you know what i mean like it wasn't this should not have come as a surprise for anybody but were you like in an email just like we should break up or <laughs> dear so-and-so i would formally like to inform you that <laughs> that we are no, no longer um, friends I mean, the way that it happened, I think, is not something that I'm totally proud of. I think in retrospect, there are better ways to handle it. It was not a surprise to either of us, but also I think could have just been handled with a lot more maturity and Mm -hmm. composure and um, just a way to kind of make it clear. I think I was kind of rash about it and sort of one-sided, and that's not something that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's not something that one has to do often in one's life. But um, if the opportunity (laughs) presented itself again, which feels like a weird way to say it, if I had to do it again, I hope that I would do it with a lot more grace and maturity. Interesting. I'm okay. And then the like other very real part of me is thinking, oh, my gosh, who was it? (laughs) (laughs) That I am not going to share on this podcast. No, that I hope that you wouldn't share that with me as well, actually. That's, yeah. But um, I have not forgotten my why. Do you remember why I asked why? Oh, um, well, this is, well, the reason I think that is when I see you, Nina, and one of the things that I really admire and respect about you is that you, I believe, are a person who really uh, values your values, to, to <laughs> put it in a horrible way. But for you, unlike me, I feel... Um, you are a person who really hones in on what your values are. You understand what they are and kind of stick to your guns about them. And so you're not one to go into a situation and be kind of really flexible and like um, whatever about it. Actually, I can think of one particular example where you demonstrated this. I, I hope you're what? okay with me sharing it. I have no idea what you're going to say. And I already feel that you've said too much. <laughs> that like um, does not what. <laughs> No, I, and I think this is something that is important and it was a good example. The details do not really matter, but you and I were in a situation with two other people and um, somehow the topic came up of someone that a few of us knew from a long, long time ago and essentially it was gossip. It was just like, oh, did you hear about that? Or this person was totally like this. And then another person, one of the four of us had a really juicy story to share. She even like prefaced it and was like, oh my gosh, you guys, I have this story. And, you know, when I'll confess, when I hear something like that, my ears perk up and my desire to know information wants to know what that story (laughs) is. And you, who actually didn't even know the person, um, you were just kind of listening in the conversation, immediately shut it down um, in a graceful way. But you were like, hey, I don't think that that's really important. And let's just not talk about it. You said something like that, but effectively shut down the conversation. (laughs) and it was awkward for a second uh, maybe more than one second but um, I think we all stepped away from that conversation knowing that that truly was the best decision to make and it's not it doesn't do anyone good to gossip even if it is someone you don't really care about Um, and I think it was really cool that you did that and I think it was I mean clearly for me a memorable moment because it kind of hit me like yeah this is something that you believe in you value you won't gossip about other people in fact you won't listen when other people are gossiping about others and you kind of had a nice way about communicating that in a way that um, you know didn't hurt anyone and was very clear 
I have been clasping onto the microphone this whole time, slightly sweating and just embarrassed to hear about myself. <laughs> but、uh, okay, thank you. I mean, there are definitely times though when I feel, especially when I was younger and even not so young.、Uh, again, like going back to my whole like, oh, it was a crazy party year in college and things like that, where there was like clear compromise. And though I didn't know exactly what I was compromising, I compromised enough to know that I was compromising something. You know, <laughs> and maybe it's from those feelings of just of discomfort and restlessness、um, that have contributed to, I guess, who I am today. Though I wouldn't, I am by no means, gutturally, I want to say perfect.、Um, by no means am I perfect for sure. But in terms of this whole idea of self and aligning and things like that, I, I do make so many mistakes because. Not only because I think、um, that, as my friend had mentioned to me earlier, Sam Ha is the one who said this. If anybody who listens knows him,、um, but Sam was the one who basically said that like life is this perpetual and con- like continuous discovery of yourself, and and I really do agree with that. And I think in the process of that, you make a lot of mistakes, and I definitely have made them. But <laughs> there we go. Yes. As a side note, I think we're gonna try to fit the word "gutturally" into every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> Have we been doing that? Is that what's been going on? More specifically, you have been doing that. Oh no! Thank you for pointing this out. I need to change that.、Mm-hmm. Saying things or saying phrases normally and repetitively is is not good. It reduces. That's okay. No. Okay. Anyway. That's okay. But yeah, I think this is probably a good place to wrap. I think we could have gone way, way, way more into the conversation. But as we all promised you in the very beginning, we do want to keep these to a pretty、um, consistent time length so that you can listen to it and take us with you on your commute, take us with you when you're cooking,、um, maybe running if you're not like Nina and need to block out the world. So, <laughs> Nina, do you want to introduce our next episode? Yeah, everybody. So the next episode, which is episode five, will hopefully be about or something in the realm of decision making.、Um, I think it's a good next step for us to sort of go from the relationship that we have with ourselves and think about how we make and process decisions. Because especially being in our mid twenties,、um, there are a lot of decisions that we confront being post grads. Being in the workplace and being in the world. Cool. Well, thank you so much for listening.、Um, as always, if you would like to engage with us, you can tweet at us to Asian Vaginas on Twitter or send us an email to Asian Vaginas at gmail dot com. Thanks so much. Bye, everybody. Bye.